All right, I'll pray us in. So grateful and thankful to be here today, to be the two or more gathered in the name of love. Grateful and thankful for the ease and grace of technology that allows us to connect. And for all of the clarity, all of the spirit-led and guided insights that we get to share together while on this call today. So grateful and thankful for the power of love ministry and for the teachings that we get to practice holding each other in love, holding the world in love, holding all those that we meet in love. Grateful to love and serve whoever spirit brings to us, knowing that as we do that, we're sharing the benefits with them and with all because we are one with them. In grace and gratitude, we say, Amen. So how's everyone doing today? I thought Catherine was trying to say something, but she's muted. You're muted, Catherine, sweetheart. There I am. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, long time no see. (laughs) Yeah, all three of us. Right. I just made a bunch of oatmeal cookies in between our meetings. (laughs) There she is. Hey. Hi. My computer froze up on me. All right. We're all prayed in, but you can pray again. I'd love another one. And that works for me and a prayer for all of us all the time. Yeah. Beautiful. I'm, I heard some feedback, so I think some other people are unmuted. And, uh, yeah, let's jump right into it. I'm excited for our time together. So my first question really is, any questions? <laughs> any questions? Any challenges with clients? Any challenges in your own life that you'd like assistance with? (laughs) Hey, Catherine. Hi. I sent my journals to you. I think they're in New Jersey someplace. (laughs) Oh, I'm glad you brought that up because it's always a good thing to check with me where I am and where to send them. (laughs) It's too late when I checked. <laughs> I already sent them. Yeah. But that's okay. Yeah, I'll pick up the mail. Uh, I just got here. Um, oh, okay. I thought you were still in Arizona. No, I, I'm here, in, in I just got to New Jersey. Okay, good, good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, congratulations okay. on completing them, and I so look forward to certifying you and going through them. So we'll do that in January. Good. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Just for everybody, um, 
it's always good to check with me because I do travel around and it's sometimes if you just send them to New Jersey then I would have to pay to forward them on and that's just an expense for the ministry and things like that and we have a mailbox in New Jersey and it's a pretty small UPS office so they only like to stack up so many packages and and um, very kindly people will send me um, Christmas presents and birthday presents sometimes and so they I don't have them forward packages to me so they just kind of stack them up and then when I get there a month later they're kind of like yeah we got some packages for you so <laughs> well I say threw them out I'm not doing it again <laughs> sure they didn't <laughs> Arva you had your hand raised Hi, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay. Nice to see you. You too. Thank you. Uh, I had a question I brought up in the community call, and that was I uh, I am not getting clients in terms of, um, of counseling sessions, and I was asking for ideas about garnering, I guess it's business, garnering clients. Um, so one of the things I had noticed is there have been at least two or three people who had reached out via the from the website, and then when I responded about you know let's find a time to meet, like then they never they like disappeared basically. So I wondered if it was something that I was doing when you know they when they inquired. So there are two questions obviously in there. One is <laughs> my experience with clients and is there something that could be off-putting when someone contacts you and then they never follow up with you. And the second question is about garnering clients. Yeah, I'm going to take the second question first. So what are you doing to uh, already? What are you doing already to um, bring clients into your practice? I'm not actively doing anything at the moment. Um, I and it's work working perfectly. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, and it's working perfectly, yes. <laughs> nothing gets nothing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's been, you know, just word of mouth. And originally, you know, I had business cards and I was, I was I was more active about it, but I, I guess I thought that being with on the website would also generate more um, things, and um, and you know, word of mouth as I have clients and then they tell clients, uh, but that hasn't been the case. Okay. Well, um, I'm so glad we're talking about this. And Connie, your dog is so cute. Oh, my God. Um, So let me just see. Um, Lori, what would be your number one tip to help someone get clients? The the number one thing, honestly, that I've done – is that, you know, like you are, but I really haven't done anything except for change my mindset. And I just 
in the morning wake up and just I have this belief, okay, spirit, you put in front of me who I'm meant to love and serve today, and I'm just going to let you take care of the finances because I just don't have time to worry about that anymore. I don't want to deal with that. So I found that since I've done that, I haven't had to do really anything else. That's it. That's the number one tip right there is where's your prayer work and your, yeah, all your spiritual work around being of service to clients and, and your own personal growth and learning. You know, so for me, it's I, even now I'm energizing that two-way street of how can I be of service and share the gifts of God as I understand them, know them, have them, experience them, and send me the perfect client. Send me the one I can best serve. Send me the one who's going to teach me. You know, let's let's do this, God. I'm in. Let's do this. So this is one of the uh, the most common things I see for all spiritual students, no matter whether they're teachers, counselors, or just grandmothers, you know, high schoolers, whatever whatever their spiritual thing is, they're passive. I actually, I was thinking about this this morning, so we're totally in sync here, because um, a few weeks ago it was Giving Tuesday, which is a, like a, a made-up holiday for charitable giving, right, end-of-year charitable giving. And, of course, it's not a holiday, but, you know. And um, so I put a Facebook fundraiser thing up on my personal page. And um, and I invited people to donate to the ministry to support our free classes and things like that. And a few people attacked me for it. And what they said was, um, why are you begging for money? And I... I, I didn't think that saying, um, I'm inviting you to support this ministry so we can offer more is begging. And I'm, I'm absolutely sure it's not begging. But people who want to attack will use whatever words they can to try to humiliate you or make you bad and wrong. That's what a good Course in Miracles student does. They find the way to most attack and shame and blame and try and humiliate you or just drag you down. That's what we all know, a good Course in Miracles student. That's their approach to things because that's what Jesus is teaching them in the Course, being facetious, of course. But it's shocking how many Course in Miracles students troll us. on, uh, And people who are known Course in Miracles students will attack. You know, God bless John Mundy and Robert Perry, I appreciate both of them, and I dearly love John Mundy. And still, he had to apologize to Gary Renard for viciously attacking him. I, I don't quite get the whole attacking people, but we're having a human experience. Anyway, uh, somebody else came along and attacked me for, for asking for money. Like, why are you asking for money? You shouldn't be asking for money. Um, well, yeah, I'm going to ask for money. I'm going to ask for help. I'm going to ask for insights. I'm going to ask for clarity. I'm going to ask for whatever is helpful to me in any given moment. I'm going to ask because I have learned ask and it is given. 
and that is is taught in in the teachings of the great masters. You, one of the biggest issues is people don't ask. I remember when I first started really interacting with the angelic realm, that was the message they kept saying, ask, 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 ask. Why are you not asking? You're still trying to do everything on your own without asking for help. So they taught me, the angels taught me to ask other people for help, to ask God for help, to ask the angels for help, to ask the ascended masters for help, to ask my family for help, to ask everyone for help all the time. I'm not the only one that likes to help. Other people like to help, too. So ask, ask, ask. And they even gave me a really great way to do it when I'm not sure what to ask for. So when I don't know what to ask for, I say, okay, angels, if I knew what to ask for, what would I ask for? And then they'll put it in my mind as soon as I'm ready to receive it at the perfect time. So that, to me, is one of the main things I'd like to share with all uh, spiritual students who are in my my the realm of my voice is ask ask ask. There's nothing wrong with asking. Where it's right to ask, and it is actually dysfunctional for us to think we shouldn't ask, or it's not good to ask, or somehow it's better to be independent rather than interdependent. It's not better, but. For me, for a very long time, raised up in my family, I experienced many times in my family that there were strings attached to uh, what I asked for. And I learned I don't like strings attached. I don't like that conditional giving. And I would feel upset, like, hey, wait a minute, nobody said there was a string attached when you gave me that. You're the one that decided to give me that. Now you're telling me the strings attached to my receiving it. Well, hey, why didn't you disclose that up front, you know? It's like if you were going to go into a store and they say, hey, we're giving away samples today. And then a week later they come to your house and they say, remember that sample we gave you? Well, now we, ha we you owe us and we, we expect this from you. What? I don't think so. So a lot of us, I think, have the same thing in common is that we were raised up in families or in institutions or places like that. We were, we were made to feel bad and because things had strings attached that we didn't know. Or we had to, um, you know, there was a lot of giving to get. And uh, it's a form of manipulation and control. And we resent it. And we don't want to be a part of it and we're trying to get that out of our field. And so we learned better to be independent, don't need anybody, don't ask for anything, do it all yourself, and that's not how God works. That's how the ego works, because the ego is a system of disconnect, a system of separation, where the, the whole premise of the ego thought system is you are on your own. Uh, so one of the most helpful things for us in transforming our mind is to ask, 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 and to teach our clients to ask, too, and to practice receiving. So it's a, it's a twofold thing, ask and receive, ask and receive, ask and receive. And so um, that, that is one of the things that I see most commonly as we forget to energize 
the very thing we'd like to receive. We forget to ask for it, declare it, uh, call for it, and then sit back and receive it. So I've had a lot of years where I had to really train myself to be aware to all the ways I was not receptive and to transform my whole attitude in the world because my attitude had been for so long that I, I, I'm on my own, I'll do it myself. And I used to actually affirm all the time, oh, I should have done it myself, why did I bother to get anyone to help me? They're doing a terrible job. And so I um, was constantly disappointed whether it was by a friend or a colleague or a sweetheart or um, someone I hired, constant disappointment, constant stream of disappointment. So I started to work with this affirmation, which was people love to support me with excellence to the very best of their ability. People love to support me with excellence to the very best of their ability. And as soon as I offloaded my constant disappointment saying, oh my God, why do I even bother to get someone to help me? Traded that in for people love to support me with excellence to the very best of their ability. That's when everything really began to change for me because I started to welcome the support and the, the more I shifted internally, the more the excellence showed up in my life. And you can talk to my prayer partners, who have been my prayer partners for 20-some years, and they will tell you, yeah, I shifted that because I'm constantly reporting to, back to them now that I feel more supported and more helped than I ever have before, things that are definitely improving in my life all the time. I feel the support. I see the support. It's excellent support. And um, so that's a long answer to your question. So it kind of hits everybody, I hope. Yeah. Do you have a follow-up, Arba? First, let me see if Arba's got a follow-up before Lori. No, I think that that was I really appreciate you taking the time to get that answer. And what it reminded me of was that earlier in the year, I did feel like I was kind of set. And then I found out that um, my uh, the area that I was going to be interacting with a lot of people and potentially getting clients, that there were strings attached. And so that opportunity I stepped back from, and and I don't regret that. I, I think that was definitely the right thing for me. And you did also remind me about asking because, you know, I kind of did a divine experiment in the summer where I asked, and within two weeks I got, like, ten sessions. Like, it just appeared. And so it seems very simple, right? Like, oh, I... I don't know why I didn't ask again because I've clearly demonstrated, <laughs> Spirit has clearly demonstrated that um, when I ask, I will receive. So thank you for that reminder. Yeah, well, it takes all of us. I mean, it took me years to really shift. And I still can see where I'm peeling back the layers of, of valuing into independence versus interdependence and receptivity, I'm still learning that for sure. 
and um, and we all are. It's part of our journey. Yeah, Lori. I was just gonna share, um, Arva. We were talking the other day, and and you know, you're aware that my life's very dynamic. You know, in between with all the work that I do, but the truth to that is my schedule is often um, or can often be empty until the day before or two days before. And then all of a sudden things will come up, like a project will come up for the ministry that I get to work on. Three people will end up booking with me online. And I don't know from day to day how many clients I'm going to have. It's, it's not set in stone. It's just, Whoever ends up being put in front of me, and that's literally what my life has become. And twice this week, the only two openings I had filled up. Actually, three, four times this week. The only openings I had, somebody, like, called me, and that was the perfect time for them. Or they booked it online, and that was the perfect time for them. You know, and, and that happens a lot for me now. So... Um, I know working in the invisible works because it just keeps showing up week after week for me. So, yeah. Thank you, Laurie. Yeah, the same kind of thing happened for me when I really made the transition to ministry that um, I, I was taught Okay, I can trust and have faith that I will be able to pay my bills and it's all gonna, it's all gonna work out and I can just trust that. But it was a journey. It was a journey. And it was an uh, unpleasant journey until I really decided, okay, I'm doing this. I'm placing my trust in this. And then the unpleasantness went away. The fear, the fear, like, <laughs> you know, how will I pay my bills? <coughs> I went away. It just seems like, Jennifer, that it's a constant reminder or what I'm going through at a very deep level in my life right now is it's really not about looking for somebody outside of me to tell me everything's going to be okay. And that's a really big one for me is, like, whether it's my friends or um, you know, an attorney or whoever that is to just, or you to tell me everything's going to be okay. It's really about finding that it's not about looking outside of me. It's about tapping into that doubling down, which I've, I, every 15 minutes for the past couple of days, it's been, it's been doing that. And, um, really going to that space of knowing that it's already there and I'm already safe and um, sometimes it's a bitch to remind myself of that like it's like oh, fuck again but each time I do it really feels like Catherine had said it to me this morning she said it feels like what you're shifting is you're just going to fall effortlessly into it pretty soon. And um, 
Yeah. That's what I can be grateful for about what's going on around me now is that it's really put me in a situation where I have nowhere to turn but God. Nowhere to turn but God. And, um, yeah, so it was just, it just seems like it all comes back down to that, whether it's with your finances, with what's, whatever's coming up in our lives, it, it seems like that. Is your home situation challenging again? Um, it's still not settled, and it's still up in the air. So um, I'm living in a great place, and I'm fine. Right. But, yeah. But it's temporary. Um, I can stay here as long as I want. What? Yeah. My, but what my landlady is going to decide to do and what I've been advised to do by the attorney. Right. That's, yeah. That's still yeah. up here. And uh, she, my landlady found out where I lived the other day, and she did it in a very official way, which makes me go somewhere in my mind about her taking legal action. Mm. And it's just. That's not the road I would have chosen to do it. I would have chosen to communicate and to work something out. And it's really just continually bathing it in the violet flame. Whatever tool I can use at the time, I'm just really saying a prayer. Yeah. And offering it up whenever I think of it. Yeah. So, but it, if this wouldn't have happened, I wouldn't have realized, oh, I really can't go unconscious about this one. Mm -hmm. And how much of my life has been spent just kind of coasting. Right. So I can look at this with gratitude and say without this, I wouldn't be having this experience that I'll get to look back on and go, doubling down is what really made me get to the point of trusting in the invisible 100%. Like, so it's just, so I can be grateful for that, but whew. Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that, Lori. Um, I think what resonated as you were speaking, particularly with Jennifer, and also with what Jennifer said is, I recognize that I have ambivalence about receiving. And so I'm not sure exactly what to do with that <laughs> other than to ask, you know. Yeah, and, and, you know, it may be too, Arva, that you have some resistance to actually doing the counseling, which is perfectly normal. I always enjoy it when I do it, and I always learn. I had a client today, and that was the first time in a couple months. So um, it was quite enjoyable. <laughs> uh, so I do believe the point that you mentioned about, you know, having some discomfort or pain as fully trusting that that will be your life and that will support your bills, your finances, and your life. And that wasn't really my intention for it. It, it was sort of a eventually, but I hadn't been all in about that being the source of my income. Mm -hmm. and, and I think that's part of the ambivalence around it 
So uh, thank you for bringing that to light or allowing me to bring that to to yeah. light and speak that. Thank mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you brought it up. So if you question whether you are being of service or how you are being of service, do you pray to be shown how you could be of service or do you ask just to be of service and allow it to show up? Because what I heard Lori saying is she's allowing it to show up. Yeah, so one of the things I'll, I'll, I'll do is I'll say, show me how to serve even better. Show me the way. Show me how I can most help people. Uh, sometimes I'll realize an issue like, um, oh, with self-sabotage, you know, how can I help people move out of self-sabotage? And then the idea came for the self-sabotage challenge. Um, so if I see that there's something that I feel, I'd like to be able to help with that, I'll say, show me how to help with this. Um, Because there are issues that people have that I don't feel called to help them with. You know, for instance, um, parenting. I'm not a parent. I, I do feel called to help people with their parenting, but I help people by finding people who can help them more directly, you know, who are, who are, who can tell their own stories. Because I, I think most people, uh, I talk with so many moms, for instance, who feel like they're terrible moms. Mm-hmm. And um, almost every, every mom, we've got a few moms here, as far as I know, every single mom I've ever talked to has a point uh, where they feel like they're a terrible mom. Can you relate to that, moms? Yeah, every mom, right? It's just part of the territory. So when I, for instance, when I, I know someone who's having a baby, I say just know that <laughs> you're going to be a terrible mom. You're going to be a terrible mom. At some point, you will decide you're a terrible mom, and for that moment, you will feel like you are a terrible mom. But that's normal, and that's what everyone does. And then you have to get over that and realize that that's just some story you're telling yourself. That um, that actually really good moms all feel that they're a terrible mom at some time. It's just the self-judgment's coming up for healing. And um, so, but someone who can say, I had this experience where I um, wanted to slap my child or I wanted to lock them in a closet and, you know, and I felt like a terrible mom for thinking that thought. I didn't do it, but I felt like a terrible mom just for thinking it. It's better if someone who's had that thought and felt that feeling can say that to them than me. So I'd rather turn that parenting help over to someone who else who has that expertise, and I'll, I'll do something else. I, I don't need to do everything. So there's just, you see what I'm saying is, it's, it's being in that constant relationship with spirit. You know, let those people get some help. If I can help them, let me help them. If it's mine to do, show me how to do it. It's, it's a constant conversation with spirit. And uh, every thought is a prayer. That's, uh, 
the teaching of A Course in Miracles, every thought is a prayer. It's the teachings of Ernest Holmes. It's the teaching of Joel Goldsmith. It's the teaching of every mystic who ever taught about prayer, who knows what they're talking about. Every thought is a prayer. In that, it is a seed planted in the one mind, and it will um, bring something back. You know, it's it's the cause, and the it will the echo will come back. The 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 um, response will come back from spirit. Even if you know the thought is I'm a terrible mom, spirit will basically, some way, shape, or form, say, "Ah, here's what that looks like. Here's what that thought will manifest as." Here's the effect. That is your cause. Here's your effect. What else would you like? Would you like to know that you're a good mom? We can we can provide that as well. Which which you, what do you want to focus on? We'll 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 give you feedback. So uh, the universe is always giving us feedback. And and um, here's the other thing is if the thought is ah I seem to be failing at this ah I don't have any clients the universe is going to say here's what that looks like. If I'm saying, uh, I really, I don't know why no one is contacting me, Spirit's going to say, here's more of that. Here's more of that. And um, would you like to, here's, you know, you're still focusing on that? Oh, well, here's more. Here's more. Here's more. It's just how the universe is designed to reflect back to us our own thoughts. So, um, and sometimes it manifests in the form of actual activity in the world that we can see. Like, for instance, um, I, I, there's someone in my life who is basically working two jobs, two very high-powered jobs, because they really want to do these two jobs. And um, during this time, they uh, have, A, felt extremely stressed out. B, they don't feel supported by their staffs at the two jobs. C, um, they had a major injury uh, to their leg uh, and uh, had to stay off their leg uh, while trying to do these two jobs. And the injury is not healing as fast as it should. It's causing, you know, their amplified problems. And the message that keeps coming through is working two jobs is not working for you. You need to make a change. You need to either get rid of the staff that's not supporting you or get rid of one of these jobs or something, but you cannot continue this way without pain and suffering. And the person is like, I get it, I get it. But they're not making a change. So the universe is just like, okay, we'll just keep sending you the same message until you make a change. You know, it's that thing of, um, what, what is the saying? Was it Albert Einstein said uh, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing, expecting a, a different result? Somebody clever said that. And yet, who among us hasn't done it at least a hundred times? <laughs> doing the same damn thing, expecting a different result. You know, uh, so it's just... Uh, we we get close-minded. We think we're on our own. Any number of things like that. So uh, the universe is constantly sending us 
signal, spirit, the universe, whatever we want to call it, life is constantly sending us signals, but many times <coughs> we don't we don't wish to acknowledge the signals. We just want to do what we want to do, or we want to do what we've always done because it's what we do and it's how we know how to operate within our comfort zone. And, and most of the time, the spirit is saying that comfort zone is not so comfortable. You know. <laughs> Get out of that comfort zone. It's not comfortable. We're going to make it more uncomfortable until you can't stand your comfort zone anymore. <laughs> but it doesn't have to be that way if we're willing to take, make a change. And, of course, isn't that what we're always telling our clients? Same thing. So, you know, there's ne never been a case where the counselor didn't need to take their own advice. Never been. Every counselor needs to take their own advice. Every single one. That's why a lot of times when I'm counseling someone, even if they're not a counselor, but if they, you know, I, I say all the time, well, what, they'll say, so what do you, they'll spend 40 minutes telling me what their situation is, and then they'll say, so what do you think I should do? And I say, what do you think you should do? And then they tell me, and I'm like, well, I think you're tuned in. And they're like, oh, that's what I thought you were going to say. I'm like, yeah. Yeah, truth is true. So it happens to all of us. All of us, all of us. It's normal. It's really normal. And so um, is there anything else you would tell a client, Arva, if they asked you this kind of a question? I think you covered it all. <laughs> and I hear uh, shadows of the conversation I had earlier today with my client, asking, reflecting on the things that have already worked, acknowledging them, expressing gratitude for them, giving the angels the assignments, you know, always ready to help. Uh, yeah, just the allowing of allowing of how things can be easier if we allow it so yeah exactly exactly have you been doing the deep desire of the heart not lately yeah there you go thank you yes Anybody else have something going on? In themselves or in the client? I'll share. I've always got something going on. Good. <laughs> <laughs> um, mine, I think, I have a real trust issue. I don't feel safe in this world especially after what happened to my son. And as parents, we want to do whatever we can to protect them. And that actually amplified my fear with my other two sons. Yeah. And I see them, they tell me I'm overreacting, but I see them drinking a lot. And so now I have this fear, are they going to ruin their lives and become alcoholics and end up killing themselves or hurting somebody else? So 
if you have anything to share along those lines about not feeling so fearful. I don't feel like I can relax because I have to be one step ahead of them. Right. And we have a lawsuit against the police department out here, so I'm afraid if they get in trouble, we're really going to be in trouble. Right. Um, so I'm going to ask you to mute out just okay. to start talking because I'm getting a lot of feedback from you there, Connie. So here's a question for you. You see them drinking a lot. Define a lot. My son, Matthew, probably drinks two to four cans of beer a day. And then on the weekends, my son, who's 18, has been getting drunk. And he's already in trouble because the week before Christopher died, he was in a car accident where he was underage and had alcohol and marijuana in the car. So we're dealing with legal ramifications from that as well. What are you getting intuitively? I just keep peeking up. I'm scared that, I, that I'm going to lose two more kids, that the worst is not over. I just don't feel safe. I'm waiting for the rug to be pulled out again. Okay, just gonna mute you there. Um, I'm a big one for being authentic and being direct. And that doesn't always work in every relationship. But could you have a family meeting and just discuss how you feel. You know, just discuss everything that you feel, which might include, um, like, I, I wouldn't start with, I don't feel safe. I think I'd start with, I love you boys so much, and I respect you. I respect your wisdom, your intelligence, and you know that. I think you know that. Now, I want to honor that you're making choices and you're going to learn, just like I'm learning, from your life choices. I, I don't want to tell you what to do. I want to be able to support you in making your own choices so that you're living your life the way you'd like and that your father and I are here to support you in living the life you would like. Not living the life I would like, but the life you would like. But here's the other situation. You are living in our home. And we're glad for that. We don't want to change that. But what I'm seeing is I'm seeing my sons getting drunk and drinking heavily. So that tells me something is bothering you. You're running from something. You're hiding from something. And I don't know exactly what it is. I can guess, you know, and you know I'm so intuitive. I could guess. I can say I think I know what it is. And it's probably some of the same things that I'm wanting to hide from and run from, but I'm not doing it with alcohol. Now, it's one thing if that's how you want to do it and you're staying home, 
But if you're going out into the world drunk or you're getting drunk out in the world, then I don't feel safe. I don't feel safe because of blah, 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 blah. So this is my problem. My sense of fear and anxiety and lack of safety is my problem. It is not your problem. It is my problem. And I need your help with it because I'm feeling overwhelmed. Do you have any concerns about each other that you're going to lose another brother? I'm wondering about that. Is it there, but you're ignoring it? Because you don't want to think about it because you want to keep drinking too? I just Let's just bring it all out into the open and talk about how we really feel and see if we can help each other. What if you had a conversation like that? We've done conversations like that in family counseling, and uh, I'm pretty much told that I worry too much, that that's what kids their age do. And I understand that, but a lot of kids aren't dealing with the trauma that they have. So that could end up, I'm not saying that it could, I don't know, but it, there's a possibility it could lead to a lifetime of problems. And that's where I go with that. Okay. Oh, sorry. I mean, <laughs> just say I, I go to the worst scenario. Yeah. And again, that yes, that's your problem. And and so I'll just you deal with that in a moment because if your husband, you can ask your son. Look, if I was drinking two to four drinks a day every day, would that concern anybody in this family? Would that feel like? I'm, what am I running from? What am I hiding from? What am I self-medicating about? Would you be concerned if your father was doing that, drinking two to four drinks a day? That seems like a problem. That seems like a drinking problem to me. And I'm not saying, oh, you're an alcoholic or something like that, because I'm not thinking that, but that is a temporary issue. It is a temporary issue, and something is motivating it. And I'd like to see if we could, you know, deal with that. And this two to four drinks a day is, is a lot, consistently every day. You know, I could say, okay, if it's just on the weekend, just Friday, Saturday, Sunday, or something like that, yeah, okay, this person is a partier, and that's what they want to do, you know, but seven days a week or even six days a week, that's a lot. And to me, it, it, it does seem to indicate that the person is running from something, running from their feelings, and that's totally understandable. You know, my mom used to drink pretty much every day. She would have a big shot of scotch, like a, I used to call it a bowl um, and, um, and it concerned me. It did concern me. And I did see that she could be in situations where she wouldn't have it for days at a time, and it didn't really seem to affect her. 
but she just, that was her preference was in the evening she wanted to have that drink to take the edge off her feelings. And she didn't know how or want to deal with her feelings. And she was really clear about that, so I just accepted that's how she was. But she wasn't out driving in the car. She was home. She was home, so I wasn't worried about her that way. But if she was going out in the car, then I would have been worried about her, for sure. So, they don't go out driving. In fact, Matthew will not drive. He has not driven since Christopher's been killed because he's afraid. Of, he's afraid. Kenneth can't drive because of the legal stuff we're under. It's just the, the, them doing it at home, and I feel like with my youngest son, it just doesn't work well with him. He's very loud and gets aggressive with the alcohol. So even if they're at home, it concerns me because of the behavior. So it's a lot of work. I'm just, I just need to keep turning it over. I know that. There's just some days all I can say is, Holy Spirit, help me to see this the way you would have me see it. Because I'm so entrenched in it. It's like I can't, I feel like I can't fully grieve the loss of my, you know, Christopher because I'm so worried about them. So here's the question Are you worried about them because your intuition is that something is going to happen to one of them? or just because of what you're seeing? I really feel that the worst is yet to come. I, it's, I can just, I don't know, it's like in my heart and in my stomach. Okay. So, um, I here's what I would do. Do you, do you remember me telling the story about uh, thinking that if I ever drove a car in the UK on the wrong side of the road, that I would get into an accident? Okay. Well, for like 20 years, I thought if I ever drive a car in the wrong in 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 the UK or where they drive on the other side of the road, I'll get into an accident. So then I was going to be in the UK for a couple of weeks and. Um, the taxis were so expensive, I decided I'm going to bite the bullet. I'm going to get a rental car. And uh, I drove away from the rental car place, and uh, five minutes later, somebody hit me, got into an accident. It was their fault and, and, and uh, not mine, and the rental car company took care of everything. But it happened. And when I got back home, I and got still with it, I realized, oh my God, for 20 years, I thought something would happen. Why didn't I clear that from my field? Why didn't I even realize I could clear it from my field? So that's the thing that I uh, would say to you is, Spirit, uh, whatever this, whatever's the root cause of this feeling that I have, Clear it completely so that I know and feel the true reality is that all of my loved ones are safe throughout eternity. I'm safe, they're safe, our family is safe, and all is well. I am willing to give up 
whatever belief is the root cause of this feeling. I'm done with it. And if there's something I need to look at in order to have this healing that uh, you place it in front of me, make it clear, make it plain so it's easily understandable and unavoidable. Also, every day, what I usually do a couple times a day is I ask Archangel Michael to put the blue ray of protection around all the light workers of the world, their family, their loved ones, their life and being, their cellular structure, their finances, and their ministries, their whole life and being. And there is, in the seven sacred flames, there is that prayer for protection. I think it might also a version. Just thinking, is there some prayer for protection in the mastery journals as well? So clearing whatever karma that is showing up as you feeling like there's more to come. Because even when we have this feeling that something bad is going to happen, for the, from the ego's perspective, there's a sense of um, ego security inside the insecurity because the ego knows something, even though it's a projection. The ego says, oh, I know this. And then the ego can later say, I knew it, I knew it. So being willing to clear it fully and completely back to the root cause. Also, I think of Ho'oponopono, uh, and to do Ho'oponopono on this, and on uh, any idea that your family's not safe. I think I told you at the time Christopher passed, I was doing Ho'oponopono. I didn't know he had died, but I was doing it, which is ironic, I think. Yeah. yeah. And it also came to me, too, this is trauma. This is what it's like for the mind. So you're going to think the worst. So I was like, that's some, something to think about. Mm-hmm. It is. It is exactly that. It is that that wound projecting into the future. Mm-hmm. And any and all sense of fear or distress can be healed because it is it's a dysfunctional thought. It's an untrue thought. It's a false belief. Always, always, always. Because even if even if it were true that in your script and in your son's script that it was true that another one of your sons would be injured, there doesn't have to be the fear. The fear is the result of the past, not the future. And If someone is drinking two to four drinks a day, there is a sense 
that many times that that, that person is feeling out of control in some way or um, that their life is out of control and trying to to um, muffle that energy of of fear, worry, doubt, insecurity in some sense. And so living with someone who's trying to muffle their feelings like that, you know, it's like muffling a scream, you know, um, not that it's a big scream, but, you know, um, right there is a sense of insecurity and not safety. It's already happening. And, and not to blame them for it, you know, but to to really do that ho'oponopono, this is being healed. It's being healed now back to the root cause. And I have seen uh, mothers do this kind of work with people who are super dysfunctional, and they have become highly functional and live beautiful lives. So I've seen, for instance, uh, adult children who um, were having uh, real mental and emotional dysfunction, uh, really challenging relationships and finances and work things, uh, bring them to um, really uh, magnificence, excellence, beautiful marriages, beautiful children, um, beautiful relationships, beautiful careers, and even all of the above. Uh, I've seen that time and time and time again, that a mother's spiritual practice. Because I've seen it with fathers too, but I see it with way more mothers. Because we have way more women in our ministry. Yeah. So I've, I've seen all of that be transformed. So that's the thing is to, for me, uh, and then I'll, I'll wrap this up here. Um, for me, I go to this fierce mother place, like, the healing is happening now. I will not be denied. I will not entertain these thoughts. Mother, Father, God, I'm grateful that the healing is happening now, that uh, everything is aligning for good for all, and there is nothing opposing this in the mind of God, that this word has power, that God is the only power, and all dysfunction is being dissolved now, and uh, but like really fiercely, super fiercely, and um, I've seen it totally shatter in my own life. I've seen it totally shatter my own thoughts and fears and worries. Yeah. Well, thank you for giving me the time to voice that and for your guidance. I appreciate it. Yeah. And I've also felt that the challenges that we have that bring us to this point of fierceness, that bring us to this point of really deep spiritual practice, that's what it's for. It's for us to really, um, for I never use this phrase, but what's coming to me is shit or get off the pot. It's, it's, I, I don't ever use that phrase, but that, that is what the Spirit is giving me now. It, 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 it's, our challenges make us sit up and pay attention and 
stop kidding ourselves and really do what we can do, which is use our mind to heal the situation that was created by the mind. Yeah. And, um, and we can do it not just for ourselves, but for others as well. That, that is what, this is what this prayer practitioner, spiritual consciousness, spiritual counselor um, mindset is. So everyone who does this work has situations that will test and try them to their core, whatever that core is. And some people's look much harder than others. That's just how it is. I mean, Catherine, you know, Catherine went to hell and back with her son and his wife and all of that. Right, Catherine? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. And she, she, we can't hear you, Catherine, so let's get you unmuted. I can't unmute you, so. Um, yes. And, you know, I had practice with my husband first. That helped me so much to get through what I went through with my son. You know, to already have the tools to detach and to use my mind to not go to that bad place. And, yeah, so I was so grateful that I had something to get me through because he didn't speak to me for almost eight years. And this is the one you saw on the video that's the bouncing soul guy. That's Greg. And he is just amazing now how he's reaching out to me and wants his son to know, know his grandmother and, you know, have a connection. It's just miraculous and beautiful. He's a bouncing soul. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes, prayer works, God works, and it's we must purify our minds. We're all given the perfect curriculum for us. Every single one of us, it kicks our ass. Every single one of us, it kicks our ass. I don't know anyone who is a powerful spiritual practitioner that hasn't had their ass kicked hard, you know, to where they want to lay on the floor and cry and just say, fuck you, God, fuck you, fuck you, you know? I, don't, I just don't know of a person that hasn't had that. It just seems to come with the territory to help us unhook from the ego. We have to actually go to this place in our core where we're just like, I am done, I am done, I am done. And then it all begins to be undone. You know, but we have to demand it. We have to demand it. And some people don't. Some people just curl up and die. Some people do. Some people go numb, you know, people have different responses to it. But as crazy as it seems, the, the shit-kicking, ass-kicking is the thing that heals us. It's the fire um, that burns the dross off. 
And it, it sucks. It totally sucks. And that's why if we can, in the midst of it, surrender, 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 surrender. So that's part of it for you there, Connie, is to surrender and, you know, what, what mother wants to surrender the idea of safety for her children when one of her children has already been killed in such a way? Like, none, none. That's why it has to be a conscious decision to surrender. Because there's no part of your ego that would ever want to do that. How could you trust God after that, right? So that's... I was going to tell you, two days before Christopher died, we were still having issues with Kenneth after his car accident. And so I did just that. I'm like, God, these kids are yours. I don't know what to do. And then two days later, Christopher passed. And that's not, it just totally shocked me. So <laughs> you never know what happens when you surrender. I'm not saying that's why. But. No, or It's, it's unthinkable, it's unimaginable. It's, it's like the worst kind of excruciating hell. You know, it's like having your skin peeled off. Worse. It's worse than that. It's worse than that. Because if your skin's peeled off, you, you still can be emotionally stable. I do think that the hardest challenges are the emotional ones rather than the physical ones. But the physical ones bring emotional challenges too. Yeah. All right. Well, I am so grateful for our community and that we are not trying to figure this out on our own because it is super intense. It just, Laurie. Connie, we've um, we've done a lot of forgiveness letters together, and you just said something, and I'm not sure if you've already written a forgiveness letter around this or not. So I'll just ask: um, Have you written a forgiveness letter around your judgment that if you surrender it to God, you'll lose another son? Mm -hmm. We can't. That's a good point, and I think that's what it's boiling down to: is I don't trust God. I oh, say um, I do, but I don't. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Need to walk my talk. <laughs> so, Connie, you can ask Spirit to show you that Spirit can be trusted. You can ask for that. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Thank you, Arba. Yeah. Well, I'm going to say a prayer. Bless us all. May we all have beautiful, 
peaceful, harmonious, fun, restorative holidays. So grateful and thankful for the love that is our very nature. So grateful and thankful to partner up and to allow spirit to show each and every one of us that we can relax into spirit, surrender into spirit, and trust spirit. We are cultivating that willingness to let all doubt go. We are grateful and thankful for our healing. We are grateful and thankful to call forth a mighty healing for all our clients, all our family, all our friends and relations. We are grateful to accept a healing for ourselves, that we are calling for the highest and best in every situation, the clarity to know, to see, and to choose the highest and best in every situation. We open ourselves to a flow of abundance and prosperity. We call for protection for ourselves and all the light workers of the world, every aspect of our life and being. We are grateful and thankful to let go of all attachments, cravings, aversions, addictive compulsive tendencies and temptations and fear, doubt, worry. We're giving it all to spirit for healing. We're calling forth a mighty healing for ourselves and all humanity. We accept it fully. We allow it fully. We let it be. And so it is. Amen. 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 Yes. Much love to you all. Bye for now. See you in the new year.